You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen and everything else, welcome to the Packernet After Dark podcast. Today we've got calls and calls and... No, that's, that's it. That's the only thing we have. But we have those two things. And with that said, let's find out what why people are calling me. I don't, I don't know. I got a bunch of voicemails, and I'm nervous, and so I wanted you here with me while we play these. Okay, here we go. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Um, I didn't watch that game last night between the Broncos and Colts. Me either. Because I was sleeping. Um, but if I had been watching the game, I probably would have still been sleeping. That's the impression I get. But uh, it doesn't uh, look so good for... Uh, Hackett so far, right. and honestly, looking at the guys that have been um, that have left the coaching tree of Lafleur, are getting off to a pretty slow start. Yeah, and so I'm not thinking we need to worry too much about other coaches being hired away from him anytime soon. But I did seriously want you to maybe address uh, new coaches this year with teams and what their teams. Scoring looks like and what their ratings look like versus coaches that have been there with, you know, two or three years. Just see if there's any irregularities or if there's pattern and uh, see what comes of that. And uh, I feel sorry for Hackett. I really want to see him do good. But, man, Wilson, holy moly, that guy looks terrible. Have a good one, Ryan. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Garrett. Um, that sounds like a great question for my other show, because that's that's a lot of work that I'm probably not going to do. But a couple thoughts. First of all, I haven't watched a whole lot of Denver Broncos stuff, and I know there's a lot of issues with time management and things of that nature, and there's probably issues as far as being a first-time head coach and not maybe getting your guys fully prepared and everything, but I always have a hard time blaming a head coach slash offensive coordinator when you go back and see clips of the quarterback not throwing to wide-open guys. You know, what What? What in the world are you supposed to do with that? By the way, remember, Hackett is the head coach. I know he's an offensive-minded guy, but he's the head coach, and the entire team doesn't suck. It's it's not the defense. The defense has been great. It is the offense, but it's not even entirely the offense. There are things on the offense that are also working. So I'm, I'm sure there are multiple issues, and I, I'm positive Hackett is, is part of it, but I think it's 
wrong to say that he's, you know, entirely the issue. And I also think it's wrong to pretend like, you know, nothing is working because that's not entirely true, although it apparently looks that way. If it was three to 40, that would be a separate conversation. But I mean, some of the guys are showing up to play, but there are certainly certain issues that are going on. Um, kind of raises a lot of questions about Russell Wilson. You kind of look at that Seattle situation with a different point of view. I do anyways, and start to wonder if, you know, Tom Brady got a lot of crap for being a system quarterback. And I, I think we were probably wrong about that one. I wonder, although it seems unlikely because nobody likes the coach in Seattle and they never had a good offensive line or anything, but you kind of wonder if maybe they were a little bit of a system there and he kind of got comfortable doing like that one thing really well. And now that it's a new thing, and granted, he's done this, done one thing his entire career. Now they're asking him to do new things, but it's just a disaster. As far as, you know, the, the other thought with Nathaniel Hackett is I, I didn't really like when we brought him over. I didn't think he was a very good, you know, offensive coordinator when he was with Jacksonville. I didn't think he did a very good job. And he, he, he ran a different scheme than Matt LaFleur did. So I, I thought it was kind of a strange hire. I mean, it worked out fine. The Packers were, were doing a great job. But you always wonder about those things and say, how much of that did Hackett really contribute? You know, I mean, it, it, I don't know. You want to implement a certain scheme. It's the same thing with like Joe Barry and, and even Matt LaFleur. You know that they can bring what you want, or at least they understand it, but but can you properly into implement it so much so that it's on a play-to-play basis and, and on a play-calling basis, you can you can run it all the way through? And then beyond that, again, a head coach is much more than just a play caller. If you want a play caller, you get an offensive coordinator. The head coach is a heck of a lot more than that. As far as the irregularities, um, you know, Tom Brady said it, and I haven't really heard a lot of other people say it, but there is something really weird going on with offenses right now. Um, nobody is scoring points with the exception of a couple like really big blowouts. And then like the lions, um, I can't understand it. That's the other thing is it's like bad teams are the ones that are scoring points. Tampa can't score. The Packers can't score. You know, Buffalo got off to a hot start for the first couple of weeks. The last two weeks, 19 and 23 is what they've scored. That sucks. Do you know last year they never had two weeks of those lowest scores of, of 23 or less two weeks in a row? Not once. They had bad weeks, but it was followed at least by like a, uh, what's the lowest one here, 27? That's about it. Kind of thought Miami would be a powerhouse, but they scored, aside from their 42 against Baltimore, 20, 21, and 15. That's And they're like the high-flying, like deep. And I, I know there was an injury to Tua and everything, but that happened, was that in week three? I don't even know if that was the end or what. Um, yeah, they, they can't score. The Cincinnati Bengals, who were a powerhouse team last year, 2017-27-27. And, and the way the games are going right now, two weeks at 27, that's you might as well be at two weeks at 40. The Ravens kind of had a thing going on, but week one was 24. Then they got back on track, right, 38-37, and then 20. So two of their four weeks, I mean, at, at best, there's teams with like two good weeks. Two of their weeks were 24 and 20. The Chiefs, they got two 40s. Sandwiched in between those two 40s, 27 and 17. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there are teams that are finding success, but definitely not consistent success, if any at all. And I haven't heard anybody even put, you know, in, in 2020, the COVID year, offenses were just dominating. And the theory behind it is, well, it's COVID year and there's nobody in the stands and the crowd noise contributes to defensive success and you know there you go or something to that effect I mean you can kind of 
understand it. And I'm sure there were other things that could possibly go into that. What the heck is going on right now? I, I will say, though, I, I, I do remember, at least in, as far as the NFC looking at our competition and going, everybody kind of sucks. <laughs> like, there's not a lot out there. But, but, you know, even the teams that you wouldn't expect to suck, like Tampa and everything, they're, they're not exactly getting it done. The Chargers, and I know they're dealing with a tons of, ton of injuries. They did have one score at 34, otherwise 10-24-24. They have as many games at 10 or less as they do 30 or more. That's weird. The Broncos, obviously, as we're talking about, are expected to be some kind of a powerhouse. You know, they got Russ, they got the wide receivers, which have never actually done anything, but we pretend that they're really good. And they got all these guys, 16, 16, 11, 23, and 9. Wow. The Raiders, you know, they go out and make some splashes. They get Devontae. They're already a decent offense. You got a decent quarterback. You got the tight end. You got the running back. You add in this elite weapon on top of, like, Hunter Renfro's already pretty good. 19, 23, 22, and 32. So they got their 130. Otherwise, 19, 23, and 22. And you know what? This is the 10th highest scoring offense in football. That's how bad things are. Buccaneers, 19, 20, 12, and then 31, and that 31 was largely just playing catch-up to the Chiefs. The Saints, 27, 10, 14, 25. I mean, the amount of sub-20 games is crazy. In fact, here's some data for you. Last year, there were 14 games, 14 teams scored less than 20 points in four weeks. Right now, or this year through four weeks, not even including this last game, which adds two more, 43 compared to 14. So for me personally, I'm, I'm kind of holding off on a lot of things. Um, as far as, as teams that are struggling offensively, it's kind of an NFL-wide thing. I don't know if it's NFL defense is adjusting or, or what the situation is, but I'm leaving room for the reality that offenses will will presumably this year pick it back up right I, I don't think this is a massive nfl-wide adjustment that that is going to take a couple of years maybe it is i don't know but this hasn't nfl defenses adjust consistently i don't think there's ever been this big massive dip across the nfl across different schemes by the way it's not just like the shanahan offenses no all of them <laughs> they're all struggling so that would be surprising that all defenses have suddenly figured out all offenses and are just crushing it it it's it, it i don't have a better theory but i i it just it, that doesn't entirely make sense to me but what i am expecting at least considering it's very early is that things will continue to change offenses will begin to get into more of a rhythm maybe it's this whole offseason thing where you know I, I, there was a point in time where where it was where it was said that the first three to four weeks are, are like basically preseason because guys aren't actually playing in the preseason. So this is their preseason. And then after that, I don't, again, it, it hasn't been this drastically bad. My thought process is teams with struggling offenses don't, don't completely count them out yet. That's a good thing for the Packers. It's a good thing for the Broncos, although they're so desperately bad. I can't imagine they're going to be great, but the potential is there, right? To at least not be horrible, to be decent with the defense and everything, who knows? The Packers, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the 49ers. We're already seeing teams climb out of this. The 49ers were a complete joke, and now they're kind of like, ooh, they're kind of contenders, right? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But remember when they played Denver and Jimmy G was like the biggest joke in the history of the universe? Because 
Denver beat them like 11 to 10, and then they played the Rams. And granted, 24 points is not a lot of points. It's largely still a defensive team, number one defense in the NFL right now. Granted, they played the Bears, the Seahawks, and the Broncos. But anyways, you know, that you can look at a team like the 49ers and say, eh, they're going to figure it out. You look at the Packers and you can look at other teams. I'm kind of doing that league-wide, and so I'm, I'm not casting Hackett and the Broncos into the dungeon yet until I start to see the dust settle, because right now things are really weird. Um, and, that, and that goes the opposite direction, too. I don't think Philadelphia stays on top. I think they're a good team. I think they do a lot of good things. Um, I think they're, you know, the defense isn't quite as... I don't expect the defense to stay this good. I, when I looked at their team, I said, great offensive line, really good wide receivers. The question is Jalen Hurts. The defense was good, not great. The fact that they held Minnesota to seven and the commanders to eight, that I don't think quite stays the same. And, and even with the offense, I think there's too much credit being given to Jalen Hurts. I know we're going off on a, on a tangent here, but the, the point is we're still too early to be making broad generalizations like everybody's doing. I think Philadelphia is a good team. In fact, I, I was relatively high on them early on based on what I was seeing. Again, the question was Jalen Hurts, and he seems to be playing at a really high level. I'm not dogging Jalen Hurts. I just think, you know, these are things that teams need time to adjust to, figure out what they're doing, make some adjustments, and, and you know, do you have the ability to kind of counteract that? I don't know. But Kansas City, I think, gets it completely figured out. The Chargers, not just because of injuries, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. I mean, I would say Miami, but they've got a pretty serious injury as well. Um, Jacksonville, we'll see, you know, there's some things in there that, that seem real other things that you kind of go, mm, not so sure about that. Um, but yeah, it's way, way too much dust kicked up in the air and, and too much just crazy stuff. You know, that, that last Thursday night game, that's just weird, man. That's just, I understand it's easy to sit there and go, these are the worst teams in football, which by the way, and that's the other thing, how, how many worst teams in football are there? Detroit has a historically bad defense. The bears have the wor- are the worst team in football. The the Texans are the worst team in football. The uh, the the Broncos are the worst team in football. The Colts are the worst team in football. You know, the Raiders, the Steelers. I mean, just disgustingly bad. And then and then the other layer of weird thing is all these bad teams have good grades because it's just really bad teams playing really bad teams, and some teams come out on top. The Giants are three and one. The Cowboys with Cooper Rush, who is wildly overrated, is uh, they're three and one. Um, the Bears are two and two. That's that's an zero and four caliber team. Um, you know the the what the, the even the Seahawks. I don't really know, but I'm not buying that for a second. I mean, c- come on, man. I'm I'm sorry, but Geno and I look. Kudos to Geno. He's having a great time, but give me a freaking break with Geno Smith. And by the way. The the team is still garbage, even if Geno's awesome. Their offensive line still sucks. Their their defense is still pathetic. And by the way, 31st ranked defense, points and yards. So they they are a disgustingly bad defense. But um, you know, yeah, they they hung 48 on Detroit. Big deal. That's what everybody's doing. Other than that, 23-7 and 17, and what we're gonna crown Geno the MVP of the universe? Come on, get out of here. All that to say stuff's weird and I don't know what's going on. Part two. Yep. Uh, my other question is, looking at how bad these games have been through the first four games, yeah. uh, scoring, tackling, uh, even Brady is saying, man, it just looks like terrible football out there. There you go. I'm just wondering how much of this new agreement with the players and coaches and how they've scaled back and uh, kind of downgraded how they practice 
uh, it's beginning to affect the quality of the game and just the continuity. And like you said, the consistency is just not there. But it's, the consistency is not there for a lot of different teams, it yeah. seems like. And it's just a really poor product, in my opinion, when just watching some of these games. It's like these guys need to throw on leather helmets and uh, and just in the ball of dust, getting two yards kind of offense. It just looks horrible, horrible. So have a good one, Ryan. Yeah, I should have saved, uh, should have saved that commentary for the second part of your question, I guess, or your second call. Um no, I I think that is the best theory right now is is it's it's nobody's practicing, nobody's doing anything. And whatever kinds of practices they're actually allowed to do and are, are able to do, you know, these little one hour walkthroughs like three, four times a week nonsense, it clearly is not having that big of an effect, which which is part of the reason why the preseason discussion, as well as the Rogers didn't show up in May discussion, tend to be kind of stupid. Because we're four weeks into the season and nobody knows how to play football. And, you know, we've, we've heard people say it. You know, tackling gets better as the season goes on. Why? Because nobody knows how to tackle. Nobody does it in the off season. There's very little tackling. So, you know, learning to tackle again and, and getting that kind of broken in is, is... It takes time, and I'm sure tackling isn't the only thing. Throwing and running and route running and catching and all these things, they get better as the season goes on, which really just points to surviving the beginning of the season, which the Packers are three and one, and that's fantastic. You know, we're upset that they're not pretty wins. Again, my level of being upset about the ugly wins has to do with my fear about the future. If you're telling me that, hey, this team is struggling right now, but they're going to get it figured out 100%, um, it's just early and there's no practice, and so there's ugly wins are all you get early on, but they're going to be fine. I don't care. Win ugly. I mean, it sucks for my heart condition which I'm sure I have because I'm a Packer fan like the rest of you guys have. But, um, yeah, I'll I'll take it. I'm just concerned about, you know, come on, guys, we need to do better than this. But um, it, you're right, it's been bad across the board. There are very, very few teams that are executing just flawlessly. I mean, honestly, just the fact that there's only one undefeated team. I mean... I remember times when it was like there's there's two seven and oh, two eight and oh teams or whatever, you know, and, and prior to that there's like five four and oh teams, six four. There's one four and oh team. They might have been the only three and oh team for all I can recall. But even they, you know, they were basically losing to Jacksonville and they almost lost to Detroit. That's and that's that's as good as it gets in the NFL right now. Is the Eagles beating up on uh well Mostly bad teams, which isn't saying too much because most teams are bad teams. But um, obviously, Washington is bad. Detroit is bad. Minnesota, you know, eh. Jacksonville, I have no idea. They're kind of decent, I guess. But but I guess if Jacksonville isn't good, how many teams are good in the NFL? Two. So, you know, take it week by week. And it's funny how quickly narratives change. You know, one thing we thought we knew just completely gets flipped on its head. I mean, just from pre the season, technically preseason, what we used to think about teams compared to what we think now, but even just compared to last week, you know, the the ups and downs. I mean, teams have been, you know, Green Bay is going to be fine. Green Bay is trash. Green Bay is really good. Just, you know, Tampa Bay and how good Tampa Bay is until suddenly they became garbage and how good the Saints are before they became garbage. And it's so unbelievably you know buffalo was just the clear number one unstoppable unbeatable team that nobody will ever stop haven't really heard from buffalo very much they're still good but again it's just kind of you know after after week two as in after i guess after week three just didn't hear about them anymore 
They're just kind of like a normal team. They they beat the Dol- or they lost to the Dolphins 19-21. They beat Baltimore 23-20. We'll see if they can hang 40 on uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. If not, which a lot of people think that they can't, even though it's a 14-point spread, a lot of people are, you know, betting people are looking at that going, yeah, right. Tomlin isn't going to give, you know, that ain't going to happen to Tomlin. If they can't, I think there's going to be some pretty serious questions. Hey, Ryan, this is OG from Germany. What up, OG? How's it going? Doing good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm going all right. Good. Listen, I only got one comment. I call it a couple weeks, so. But this is this is something I've been thinking about. I've listened to a lot of pundits. I don't know why, but I'm doing it. I listen to your shows, and everything's good. Clayton, everybody's good. Very measured, stable. And especially your show, uh, the last podcast. Was like, what are these guys thinking, right? So... Waiting for the for the butt to come. But I got a problem. There thinking, it is. <laughs> the only way you can get these guys to be quiet and just to say, you know what, Green Bay is a bona fide Super Bowl contender. Yeah. And this not only plays on the mainstream, but it plays on packed fans too. Yep. And I'm one of them. And I want to. I want to. So I want to see. Follow me on this. Yep. I want to see. Uh, in the next, you know, few games, why can't we just go out and go, okay, 21-3, yeah. middle of the second quarter? Uh, use the playbook. Get the wide receivers going. Get all these intricacies of throwing the ball and running routes, making blocks, cuts. Kill a team. I want to see a 50-burger in the next three weeks. Okay? okay. And show me. Now we're working on it. Oh well, well he's easing into his groove and the right tackle and left tackle and freaking you know center snaps and uh, I don't know. I think the only part that I'm not worried about is our special teams. I think they're coming along. How about that? But dang it, Matt, if the coach doesn't keep that gas pedal down, I mentioned this in a comment not long ago. Either you asked, well, you, you know, I'm like Matt, keep the pedal down. You can't expect to get a fully functional offense unless you run it and you just destroy people. Beat the Giants. Beat them. 30, you know, I can see 41 to 10. Yeah. I can see two Dobbs. <laughs> this is my dream. Two Dobbs, two Christian. Uh, throw Tunyon in there for the fifth one and then a couple field goals. <laughs> And by the way, our running backs are going to get their 80 yards or whatever, 100, whatever. You know, Joe might get a goal line for the sixth touchdown. I don't know. But I want to see destruction offensively and defense. I want to see destruction on the Giants and the Redskins. Sorry. What do they call them now? Generals? Wash? You know. Commies. In the next few weeks, I want to see a, 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 a cornucopia of offense and defense. I want yeah. to see this team. Before I get all excited or, or, or be worried all the way through January. No, I want to see it now. I hope you. He got cut off there, unfortunately, but I, I, I get it. Um, I think the Chicago game, if we're being fair, is a good representation of what we want, right? Even if we weren't 100% fine with that, a final score of 27 to 10 is, is fine. 17 point win will never, will never not be okay. Um, I wouldn't mind if it was. 13 to 30 be a little bit better kind of get a little bit more offense mixed in there but um i i i get what you're saying if nothing else even even just forget 
Forget the point differential. Forget even winning by a bunch of points. Just don't make it look so hard. There have been times the Packers have won, and let's say we win by like eight points or something, or, or even, I don't know, six points, and you look at it and go, we beat them by a lot more than that. The score does not reflect how dominant the Packers were. I think we just want that, even if that's the wrong thing to want. I'm, I'm just saying I think, I think we want to watch a game and just have everybody watching that game go, oh, yeah, the Packers are just way better than the Giants. It's not even close. I don't want to have to watch a team like the Patriots with no quarterback and go, mm, I'm not positive the Packers are a better team in Lambeau. Mm, I think if that was played in New England, the Packers lose. And that sucks. I think that's, that's kind of where we're all at. And I, I get what you're saying. I can't promise you it's going to happen. I hope it happens. Certainly hope it becomes a thing at least by the end of the year. I have my concerns about this particular game. Um, I don't like that we're traveling so far. I think that that's problematic. I was looking at uh, Aaron Rodgers' stats playing on the West Coast and playing on the East Coast. He actually has a losing record in, uh, on the East Coast. And on the West Coast, it's pretty close to 50-50. Not great for a guy that doesn't usually lose football games, period. But travel has been an issue. Again, I keep going back to the fact that in California against the 49ers, they had to, what are they, we played one California team and then and got embarrassed. And then we went back the next time and changed the schedule because our guys were out partying all night. And then what, we still got beat in that game? Now, now we're going out to London and everybody's like, ah, eh, we're going to go see the sights and we're going to enjoy the pubs and everything. It's like, ah, here's what I don't get. Aaron Rodgers, you are like a billionaire. Not quite, but let's, it's basically the same amount of money. I can get a pack of gum for about the same net worth um, as you'd have to give up to fly, you know, a private jet to England anytime you want. Go to any pub, go to any... He's talking about Wembley all the time. Like, I'd love to go to a game in Wembley, and I'd love to do this, and I'd love to see a concert at Wembley. You could go anytime you want. You have all off-season to do whatever you want. I'm, I'm not trying to say you can't enjoy yourself out there or whatever, but I don't know, man. I... It, it's the same with like this off-season stuff. The opportunity is there to really grind, but they don't do it. It's like you get meetings, and then you go out on a field for like 52 minutes to practice, and then you get the rest of your day to do whatever you want. I don't even know if they're working like a 40-hour week. Now, the assumption is you're doing a lot of work outside of that, but that's, that's my concern. How much time are we spending on our own? You know, How disciplined are the Packers compared to the Giants out in England is my question. Are the Giants going to be saying, we got to put in this work? Is Saquon Barkley going to be out there doing drills on the field while Rodgers is at Wembley? While Rodgers and Lazard are out watching Women's Soccer League thing, whatever it's called. Look, if, 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 if there are rules in place to say nobody's allowed to do any work, everybody has to go enjoy England, fine. Which, by the way, that's where the NFL is headed. That's what all this collective bargaining stuff is. That's why they don't want, to, <laughs> that's why they don't want all these things. About, because that's the thing, the competitive advantage. They're going to run you into the ground and say, you will practice, you know, two a days and all this different stuff. And we're going to be hitting and doing it. And so either you are a psychopath and all you do is work or you lose and you suck at football. And they're like, well, I don't want my life to be like that. So we're going to make it so that nobody's allowed to do that. That's why you can't be in touch with like your coaching staff and stuff in the off season. Because that would give somebody a, that actually cares a competitive advantage. <laughs> Anyways, that's a concern. The, again, the whole... Giants being a, a running team is concerning, and all the different things are... It, it, it honestly just feels a lot like the Patriots game, which I hate to say because I was kind of right about that. It feels the same. Like, I, I just, I don't feel this as being a blowout game. 
I don't, I, I don't get that vibe. And a lot of that vibe just has to do with, I don't really see the Packers as being an explosive team, but at the same time, you know, if, if they're going to run the ball and they're going to do it successfully, you're not going to have the ball very much, which means you're not allowed to punt very often. If you're going to get 30 points, we're talking at least four touchdowns here. So in, I don't know how many, possess, what, what did they say? we got 11. The other team had 11 possessions, including overtime. So let's call it 10 possessions. You got to score on at least five of them. And we're talking four touchdowns and one field goal. And I don't know if you get 10 possessions on a team that runs as much as they, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, I just, I just, I don't feel good about it. I'm not saying we lose. I'm just saying, I don't feel like this is going to be the game you're asking for. OG Boomer. The game where it's like, everything just feels right. It's possible. They're not a good team. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to score a lot of points and keep them from scoring a lot of points. I just, I don't know. It's like I've been saying, until I see it, I just, I'm not going to assume we have it. They got to show it first. Um, a lot of rambling today, so we haven't gotten through a lot of calls, which is good because we don't have a lot of calls. Why don't we take a break right here? Uh, Patreon, FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, Ryan, this is Andy in Kansas here hey. in the mail truck. Uh, this upcoming game here against the Giants, I don't consider the Giants to be a terrible team. They have at least one very, very, very good player. Saquon Barkley's been doing a lot of good stuff, so I'd be very happy with a 31-17 type win, something like that. Offense get over 30. Not turn the ball over, um, follow through on some of the stuff, and uh, really put a put much more of a show um on display that would be great i agree um somebody mentioned the other day on back night after dark about possibly doing trick plays uh flea flicker was mentioned i'd say at the very least i don't know a surprise onside kick mm. might work there you go uh something that would be absolutely outstanding would be a fake field goal where crosby throws a touchdown pass something yeah. like that so if we're the home team, since we are the home team, right. is Lambo Leap in play? Uh, I don't know question. if any other team does Lambo Leap. I don't know if the league allows it. Or if people... I, I thought 
that that was actually banned, but they grandfathered the Packers in. So that's actually a fantastic question. Are they still allowed to do it? And I don't even know if that's that's necessarily the case anymore. Is, is nobody actually jumping into the stands aside from the Packers? Because I thought that that was not allowed. But I I don't know. It was something like that. Or they, they banned certain things like that, but they allowed the Lambo leap. You know, other other things in that category are not allowed. I don't know. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Good you know, question. Just respect uh, Green Bay culture, but I'm curious about that. Lambo leaves in London. I I, I wonder. Um, a couple of fun ones then. If there was an in-ground swimming pool um, filled with blank, Ryan, you Ryan would love just to jump right into it. So answer that one for us. Uh, I have to jump in it. I mean, money comes immediately to mind, $100 bills. Not, not that I actually want to jump in it, but I will jump in it if I have to, if it gets a pool full of $100 bills. Something I'd actually want to jump into, I mean, water would be probably top of the list. <laughs> it's not gravy, um, despite what all you jerks think. I think it's the jumping in part that's kind of throwing me off here. What would I want to jump into? Yeah, water would be... Uh, that would be the most important one. I know they do those things with like Orbeez and everything. I always freak out that like I'm going to suffocate and die. Can you swim through those things? Like whether it's Orbeez or even like the the balls, the ball pit balls and stuff, I wouldn't jump in there. Be like, no, I'm going to suffocate. How do you get out of there? They never actually die when they do those things, but it's like I don't think you can swim in that. And if you just sink... What, how, how do I get out of that? Like, I can't push through it. It's, it's, I'm buried. Maybe you can climb out. I don't know. Same with like, I, w- I would think the same thing with like whipped cream. That would freak me out a little bit. Like, you know, you're sinking to the bottom. Can you swim through whipped cream to get back up to the top? Or am I just going to sit here and die? Like, I guess you could jump. You could jump out of it or like do like a little, I, I, I don't know. If, if it's 10 feet, I can't jump out of it. I got to try to run through whipped cream to get to the, the shallow side. And try not to breathe whipped cream into my lungs. I wonder if you can swim through whipped cream. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Because I know you don't float. It'd be a heck of a way to die, wouldn't it? Suffocation by whipped cream. That would be kind of dope, though. I mean, it'd be dirty. It'd be gross. But you wouldn't, like, lick the floor. The the middle part would be pretty. I would probably do, like, a cool whipped cream thing. I don't really. They're both good. You know. It it would probably. I'd want it to be, like, a. I don't want to say a kiddie pool, but. I just want, I want to forego the whole dying thing. Plus, that's a lot of whipped cream. What are we going to do with that? I'm going to take a couple hefty bites. I'm going to get a stomach ache and be like, all right, I guess we got to clean this out. And that's going to take forever because there's, there is gallons, gallons and gallons, tens of hundreds of gallons of whipped cream in here. It'd be pretty cool though. I mean, you could do some cool stuff. Like if, if you had a, if you had a football party, you could put some chip dip in there. Again, kind of gross, but it's, now that I think about it, it's one of those things that would probably be better if you were by yourself. Because um, other people would be like, this is disgusting. But if you're by yourself, it's like, I don't care. I don't care that's disgusting. I'm going to just, I'm going to pull up one of those. I want to get one of those old lawn chairs, you know, that has like the plastic strips that go across that are kind of low to the ground. And I want to get a TV set up outside because that's where the pool is, presumably. It could be an indoor pool. My grandparents used to have one. Outdoor giant television, sunny day. And then I'm just sitting kind of close enough to the pool where I got like a bag of chips. I just reach over with my left hand into the swimming pool. Chip dip. I don't know how you keep it warm, though. You, 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 well, you have heated pools, right? How do you heat the pool? You have to circulate it <laughs> in order to heat it? I don't know how that works. It's going to get burnt. I know that. Some parts will be burnt. The other parts will probably be ice cold. But, you know, the logistics of it are tricky. But 
I would, I would, I would consider that. I'd consider it. The second one, I hope the Packers play in Germany yeah. next year. Be cool. And I hope that the German Aaron Rodgers guy sits in in the post game press conference uh-huh. and the American Aaron Rodgers answers the questions and then the German Aaron Rodgers translates it in German right next to him. I think that would just be absolutely great. Uh, even better if the, if the league finds them for doing it. That would just be outstanding. <laughs> uh, have a great day. Hope the Packers win. Thanks. Bye. The funny part is there's actually an English Aaron Rodgers also. There's the the English guy that's the comedian that actually like went to Lambo a while ago and um, did a whole thing. Um, but yeah, you got the English guy, and then you go. You got the German guy, the doppelganger. I think that'd be funny. Too bad we kind of missed that opportunity in this one, especially if you used um, this guy as a translator. That would be hilarious. It's not everybody's kind of humor, but I feel like it's it's uh, British humor. I think they would get it. They got like that real dry, kind of just quirky humor. I think I think they'd get it. Hey Ryan. Hey, it's Travis from Fredericksburg, Virginia. What's up? Um, just calling with a quick question. Um, actually, two quick questions. Okay. I was just listening to a pack a day with Andy Herman. He had Mike Wall on, and uh, I've heard it from a couple of different people, but Mike Wall said something about how Roquan Smith is playing out of his mind. Um, and I've seen a couple different analysts saying that Roquan is having a good start of the year, but I feel like I've also seen Bear fans say that Roquan is garbage and he's <laughs> not worth the money that he's wanting. Um, right. So maybe you could. Add some clarity on all of that. Maybe uh, read some grades off or something. I don't know. I personally don't think the guy's worth what he wants, but, you know, that's a biased Packers fan, whatever. Um, yeah, so that was first question. Second one, uh, hey, where's Shamar Jean Charles been? Um, saw him a lot in the preseason. Don't think I've seen him once on defense uh, this regular season. Uh, I don't know if uh, bringing in Keyshawn Nixon just made it so – Gene Charles is just uh, irrelevant right now. Um, but yeah, so uh, maybe just where is Shamara? All right, thanks, Ryan. Hope you have a good one. Go back, go. Yeah, so I'll start with the last one. I think Shamar is a. It's 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 tricky because Razul is our nickelback, but he's also our number three boundary corner. So when Jair goes out, Razul goes in for Jair, and then Keyshawn goes into the slot. Um, if, if somebody else were to go out, whether that be Stokes or Razul, that's when Shamar would come in. Shamar is not going to be a slot guy. He's a boundary guy and he's our number four boundary guy is sort of how I think that goes. Um, and I guess what that ultimately means is when they want to have their best guys out there, it's Razul Stokes and Keyshawn Nixon instead of Razul Stokes and Shamar Jean Charles. Seems to be the the way to read that. And considering how good Keyshawn Nixon was, I guess I could see that. Um, as far as Roquan Smith is concerned, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I know he's never graded out well as a linebacker. Maybe it's just a weird PFF quirk as far as, um, you know, the way that they grade. He just doesn't fit their model. Uh, I tend to agree because he doesn't fit my model either. Not that my model matters, but Roquan has never really been a very physical guy. He's fast. He's built like a, a, a freight train. He's got a big build to him, but he doesn't play like it. And I think, you know, you saw the, not just the the A.J. Dillon thing, that really upset Bears fans a lot that he just got absolutely blown out of that play. But this past week with Daniel Jones, that really made people mad. 
every single time Daniel Jones is running that boot. Roquan, I think, is is primarily the guy that they're they're circling, singling in on, singling out. Either way, they all work a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they gave any specifications as to what it is they think he's doing very well. I know he had a great game against Houston. Maybe they just saw a heavy dose of that. Um, his grades against new the Giants weren't terrible, sixty five, but. The first two weeks, he had a 29.6 overall grade and a 36 overall grade against Green Bay, um, which, you know, it's, it's he has a 48 overall grade right now. Last year was a 47. Year before that, 67, 52, and 66. So he is a um, 40, 50, 60 guy. And the last two years, including this year and last year, have been his worst two, again, according to PFF. Um You know, Mike Wall is a former NFL football player. So, you know, the, the hard part about that, too, is, you know, you look at PFF and you say, I understand they're not perfect, but it's the best we have. And the people that really hate PFF are largely will look to guys like Mike Wall or whatever, and they'll say, you know, these guys are the authorities. They really know. And if they say anything, then, you know, they're right and PFF is wrong. And I tend to agree with that, generally speaking. The problem is some of these guys are way off their rocker. I'm not talking about Mike Wall, but there are guys right now that are forget who it is, a, a pretty prominent NFL quarterback is is defending Justin Fields like no other. And the other issue is you're going to have different film guys. If you put everybody that's ever played in the NFL, by the way, half of them are NFL analysts right now that are giving all kinds of different opinions on things. So it's kind of hard to say that they know <laughs> when they don't agree. But, you know, they've got all kinds of different opinions. So I and, and I don't know. Did did Mike Wall sit down and study every single snap of Roquan, or is it just kind of a general, you know, just one of those things you say as a guy that's like, yeah, Roquan's playing really well because it's Roquan Smith, and you just kind of assume he's always pretty good. And you saw a couple plays he made. He had a pick, so maybe you caught that, and it's like, yeah, he's having a great year. I have no idea. I don't know where that necessarily came from. Um, just as far as grades, he's currently ranked sixty seventh out of eighty three. You know, pressures he's got two. He doesn't, he doesn't come on a lot of blitzes to begin with, but like that's not a thing he's doing really well right now. That's just it's not, not a thing. Um, he is fourth in tackles. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like he has a lot of tackles, so he's a great linebacker. It's possible. I know that's a thing for some people. If you, Because, I mean, if you're just looking at box score, there's not a lot of box score stuff for linebackers or for most of the players in the NFL. There's like none for offensive linemen, but um, – then that's really all you have to work with. And so you get, he has an interception, he has a sack, and he has fourth and tackles. You look at that and go, dude, this guy's awesome. Well, okay, I guess. I mean, if you if you sort it by tackles, the three with more tackles don't have any sacks or any interceptions. So he's just absolutely killing it right now. But I know he's, he's 12th in missed tackles right now. Um, I don't know. He's fourth in stops, which is good. 15 receptions, seven, 15 targets, seven... Seven receptions, 67 yards, a pick, and a pass breakup. It's not terrible. So I don't know. I, maybe it just depends what you're looking for. I know he's fast. I know he's intelligent. Um, but he's he's not very physical. He, he doesn't do a good job of getting off blocks. He gets pushed around. He falls backwards on, on contact. He doesn't drive through people. They drive through him, including quarterbacks. I've been making fun of him that because of college for a long time, but I've, I've now seen that in the NFL, which is pretty bad. Again, the A.J. Dillon thing, I know A.J.'s a big dude, and, and I also, when I looked at that play, I understand it was because he really thought it was a passing play is why he kind of played that the way he did. He thought he was covering A.J. Dillon, didn't realize he was running right toward his blocker. But still, I mean, A.J. Dillon just pushed him like he wasn't even there. It was a joke. So I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I don't have a lot of context because I haven't watched a ton of Roquan. Um, 
Mike Wall says he's having a great day. PFF says he's just as bad as he's always been, and Bears fans can't stand the guy. So I, I draw your own conclusions, I guess. Anyways, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I, I, I saw five. I was just going to kind of pre-record the five and see if any more came in, but we're 40-some-odd minutes in, so I think we're good. Uh, you guys have yourselves a fantastic night. Um, please call in 608-501-0718. I want to get some thoughts specifically on this Giants game, what you think is going to happen and whatnot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you.